0: To handle that cape for the last time.
1: Return to Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Andy N's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken,
0: Spoken Label. Hi, it's Andy N from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on. Beginning in 2016, and as of speaking, has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on spokenlabel, full stop, bandcamp.com. Although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish, I'm always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable me to keep the running costs of this podcast going. and Enjoy. Take care. Bye-bye. Spoken Label. Hi, guys. I'm end, Spoken Label. Back in the house. Nearly got caught out there by the automatic voice and on Zoom. So, anyway, I've got a fantastic float with me today. And first, time I've actually met this guy on Zoom, but we've been chatting away for ages on Facebook. And I've already talked fairly recently to his comrade in arms that, that runs OB Hive with him. And it, 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 the gentleman I've got him today is Nick Lovell. Okay, Nick. Tell us what it about yourself and where all your creativity came from, mate. And let's t- start from there.
1: Fair enough. Um I've always enjoyed poetry. Um when I was even back when I was at school, I'd occasionally try my hand at scribing some verse and then throughout my teenage and adolescent years again, the standard teenage poetry when hearts were broken and things like that. But thankfully most of that ended up in the bin. Um <laughs> After that, things like careers and family and jobs and work got in the way. And then about nine years ago now, my son was at school. They had uh, they had a poet visit- visiting and I got a phone call saying he'd missed his bus because he'd stayed late to chat to this poet. And could I come and pick him up? So I picked him up and all the way home, we talked about this poet how fantastic he was. And it's Ash Dickinson who was visiting the school. Oh, I've met Ash. i met him, yeah. yeah. Lovely, yeah. lovely guy.
0: Really nice blog, yeah.
1: And he asked, oh, it's all I've had Ash on Facebook. And I was like, well, you're only 13, so you can add him, but if I send him a friend request and he turns it down, then you're taking him off your friends list because that'll be a bit of a red flag. Yeah, yeah. Just standard, your kid's young and online, you've got to just be a be aware of, be a bit aware. So my wife had him as a friend, I added him as a friend, absolutely no problems. Then we saw he was appearing in Cheltenham. And so Michelle and I went along to see him. We got chatting with him, with Fergus McGonagall um, afterwards. And in the chat, it came up that I'd occasionally written poems and written little verses in cards and that. And I got challenged to enter the Swindon Poetry Slam sort of challenged dead almost and the wife was like yes yes go on you should do it and I kind of been led to believe it'd probably be five or ten local blokes or the, the boy stood on the burning deck his feet were full of blisters his trousers burnt right round the backs so react to where his sister type thing so, <laughs> I had a chat with Marcus Moore absolutely lovely guy um probably the reason why I didn't bail out before the slam um Looked up performance poetry online. Um, I encountered some of the more extreme American performance poetry at first and was like, what the heck is this? Then found some of the English performance poets, Elvis McGonagall, more Ash Dickinson, um, Fergus McGonagall, more poets like that. I thought, oh yeah, I think I probably can do this wrote four or five poems, picked the best three and rocked up <clears> the <throat> Poetry Slam and came... It, oh, where'd I come again? Last, that's right, yes.
0: <laughs> oh, I've done that before now.
1: But one point, one point behind um, Joe Bell. Bloody hell. 14th. And I thought, she's a canal poet laureate and this is my first ever time reading poems on stage. Oh, by the way, kids, don't do it that way slams are not the best way to break your poetry virginity Honestly, no,
0: don't to... recommend it awful experiences they have, mate. i don't mind watching them but i've seen and i agree with totally nick and that i've seen so many a couple of young poets going there now and they've gone down that badly and i thought they were good writers yeah they put them right off it's it's too too competitive me to be
1: honest with you. the thing about slams is it's not about the best poetry at all it's about what tickles the judges on the night and the judges might sometimes be be from from the poetry community other times they might be civic dignitaries others other times it might be random joes out of the audience that have never listened to a poem critically before in their lives you just don't know and i you know i could have come out of there absolutely crestfallen and destroyed as it was, several, several of the poets, Dave Viney, um, Mab Jones came out up, came up after and was saying, oh, really, really enjoyed your poem. Um, shame you came last, but you know, keep. how long have you been writing? You know, not heard of you before. And I was like, about two weeks. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, how many times have you performed before? Um, never. And they were like, well, if that's your first ever performance, seriously, keep with it. Here are some open night, Mike Knights, you might want to come along too. And I was hooked. Um, so, yeah, it's Ash Dickinson's fault, really.
0: Now, obviously, uh, everyone knows you, your main com- comrade in Old Beehive is Clive Osman. Now, how yes. did you and Clive
1: meet? Um, now, that's a convoluted, a convoluted story and a half. Um, i met a friend of clive's at the worcester poetry slam about six or seven years ago i met him and got chatting to him purely because he totally misunderstood what was going on someone mistook him for one of the performing poets and asked him for a bio so he wrote his name and a little bio down and then they announced him as one of the competing poets and he turned around to me he's like is that you they're talking they got me confused with you i'm like no, you gave him a bio. I thought you were a poet as well. He's like, I've never written a bloody poem in my life. And so, <laughs> once confusion was sorted out. We had a pint and a chat together, and he said, you know, he knew a poet in Swindon that was looking, you know, looking to maybe get to know other poets around the area. And would it be all right if he gave this poet my details and my Facebook and that? And I got a friend request from Clive the next day, and we got chatting. And I was going to an open mic down in Bristol that was being run by Matt Duggan. Uh, I think it was called an evening of an evening of spoken indulgence. And Clive asked asked Clive if fancy coming along. He's like, well, I've never read it, never ever read before. And I was like, really really friendly, really really welcoming. Just bring it along, you'll have a great time. And he went down and he went went down with me to Bristol, and we. He read his first ever poem. And it was a typical first ever poetry reading. He was terrified. He was vibrating so, he was, he was shaking so much, I couldn't figure out how he could read what was on the paper, until I realized the paper was shaking at the same frequency he was, so it probably looked rock solid. But he was visibly nervous, visibly petrified. But he got up there, went through, got his round of applause, sat back down, and was hooked. He was absolutely hooked from that moment on. I've watched him develop his serious poetry. He's written on some very serious subjects and subjects very dear to him, uh, domestic abuse towards men, the, Birmingham, the um, Guildford, Guildford and Birmingham bombings. Um, he's also written some light-hearted comedy poems such as his Ikea poem, his Eight to Z of Animals, which is absolutely bloody brilliant alliteration
0: oh it's well worth hearing that piece because he did an extract of that spoken level when i had him on a couple months ago and i hadn't heard it before nick and it
1: creased me big style yeah i absolutely you know he's been absolutely brilliant and he's absolutely fearless when it comes to experimenting i'm far more cautious and it's the only time I'll ever use this word to describe me, but far more conservative in how I, <laughs> how, how I find my poetry out there. If I'm not sure about something, it might, it might be two or three or four or five years. That I'll be sitting there looking at it thinking, mm. it's usually if I'm like, oh God, I can't remember what I performed at an open mic last time. What should I do? Oh, I'll, I'll try that one and see how it goes. And I'm usually quite surprised it'll go down quite well, but Clive, he will write the most, out there performance pieces that you can imagine. He started off, uh, he wrote a couple of poems as God, and, <gasps> would do, and would appear on stage complete in white robe and big long big long artificial beard as God, <laughs> which were, they could divide the audience sometimes at some nights, um, some of the more genteel, perhaps church going, members of the audience were not hugely impressed, but the the majority of the audience would laugh. And he has just become more and more experimental. He's almost bordering on, is it Dardyism? Yeah,
0: I think it's it's Dardyism, yeah, I know what you mean that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Surreal barely describes it. And when he started performing as the Queen, I re- I, the first poem he t- sent through by the Queen, he said, what do you think of this? It's what, something I'm thinking about doing. When we start performing as, as the Queen, and I was like, are you sure? And I read yep. it through, and I was like, I don't know if this is going to work, mate. It's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be a hit, or it's going to be a disaster. He was like, what the hell? Let's give it a try. And he has knocked it out of the park. Yeah,
0: difficult. he has, and if, if anyone's wondering, obviously we need to clarify: we mean the Queen. Yes, we mean that Queen because <laughs> I've heard I've seen him do that set about three times now. <laughs>
1: yes, he, the voice, I think, is the crowning glory because you can hear as the set goes on, it starts to become a little bit more difficult to maintain that voice, and I find it quite quite amusing. I'm sitting there thinking, yeah. No, you need to hurry up now, mate. It's, it's starting to squeak a bit.
0: <laughs> I know his voice is starting to go here yeah, after a while. I feel sorry for himself. So. <laughs> now, obviously, 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 after that, then you two obviously formed OBE Hive, OBE Hive, didn't you? So, yeah. where, what made you want to set your own night up then?
1: Um, it was to be honest, there, there was a lack of a performance space in Swindon for performance poetry. There was, um, there is Swindon poetry, uh, which at the time was going under the name of Bluegate Poets, which was rather more for the page vibe, uh, and what some people might regard as proper poetry. Um, I don't differentiate, to me poetry is poetry. I don't care if you're reading something, Homer's Iliad, if you're reading John Cooper Clark's Beasley Street. It's poetry. Um, it's all the same to me. There are people who do want to try and divide the poetry world into page poetry and performance poetry, and sort of look at look at them differently. But I don't like to do that. Um, Clive and I went along to Bluegate Bluegate Poets a couple of times. Everyone was very polite. Everyone was very welcoming. But we just didn't feel our poetry fit fitted in there. Not through anything they did, but just because it was so different. Um, I mean, if you could imagine, say, Clive turning up doing his Queen performance uh, in the middle of the proms. It was that kind that kind of effect. So we thought, we really need something for, for poets around Swindon. Let's set a night up and see how it goes. Um, we had no real solid solid ideas formed. We discussed it a couple of times. Uh, and, and we're looking to move forward, but then on the run up to Clive's birthday, one of his friends, oddly enough, the same guy I met in Worcester, sat up an afternoon in Swindon in a pub on Clive's birthday, so that he could have a poetry event, and we called it Sunday Afternoon, Clive. And it was it was an absolute smash. Um, the Sunday the Sunday regulars coming into the pub were a bit blown away by it. We got six poets, um, three, three local poets, three from a bit further afield, to come along and perform. Uh, it was hosted by Angie Belcher and Chloe Jacquet. And the pub landlord was so impressed, he said, guys, that was fantastic. Would you be interested in maybe doing something quite regular if we've got a free slot each month? And as Clive and I were already talking about setting up a night, it seemed the perfect opportunity to put the plans into action. So we went from there. And that was just under four years ago now. Brilliant. Just just under five years ago.
0: I know you do. It's like the way everything's gone over the past year, because it's had before I've been really covering that speakeasy now for, what, four and a half years ourselves. But you're knocking off almost a year and a half, aren't you, really? Because... Because the way everything's gone, so yeah, completely. Now, obviously, with yourself, then obviously, how have you felt? How has your writing developed over time? Then, do you think you've, your writing has changed a lot since you started hosting the night together? You two,
1: um, my writing at the moment has changed, as in it's dried up a lot. I don't write half as prolifically as I used to. It used to be virtually every other every week. I'd write a poem. And I'd think, yes, no, I'm happy with that and throw it on out there. Whereas nowadays, I think this year I've made, since January, I've maybe written four poems that I'm happy with. I've become a lot, lot more critical of myself. Poems that I would have performed a couple of years back, I tend to get halfway through and think, "Mm, this isn't saying what what I want it to say, or it's not saying how I want to say it. And whereas before I would have just let it flow on and done the poem anyway, nowadays i'm tend to be much more likely to put that onto the back burner and think right let's stop and think where you know in some cases just go through it pick a couple of phrases that i think are any good or any merit and just shit going, and just bin, bin the whole lot because I, I i have become more a lot more critical of myself
0: i think and it's and an actual i think sorry mate. Yeah, I think, no, no. It's an actual, I think it's an actual progression as a writer. Because I know what you mean by that. Because I found myself when I was start getting performance poetry a few years before you, I used to throw poems out on a day by day basis and to go up and read them. And I think the more you think about it, the older you get. It's not the case if you're more cautious what you share, you're paying more attention to what you're doing, basically. And it's, I mean, lockdown has slowed people down a lot anyway. So, and I think when the scene picks up again, We'll see how it goes i think you'll probably find it you're right and i'll probably pick up again probably
1: i i, I would think so very I, I, I think very likely i mean i certainly have developed in the subjects that i cover i used to look very much at things that related to myself whereas nowadays i'll maybe be look, trying to look at things from someone else's point of view even if it's not necessarily the popular point of view. Um, Sadly, when I was younger, when I grew up in East London in the 70s, I grew up around a lot of racism, and I abhor racism. But having grown up around it, I think the people that just will condemn someone who says or does something that's perceived as racist totally out of hand and that's it they must be a Nazi they're perhaps missing out on context on that person's upbringing you know in the same way as if someone's brought up in an abusive household they're likely to be abusive yeah completely. No, surrounded by racists and indoctrinated by racists then they've been radicalized every bit as much. And I do not excuse racism in any way, but sometimes you have to have a look and say, well, did that person ever have a choice? You know, they're 15 years. I've seen a video of a 15 year old child coming out with horrific racist abuse with his mum and dad behind him sort of him on. And he's 15 years old. He's been raised by a pair of racists whose 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 whole social network will be nothing but racists because they do yeah you know, they do live in an almost exclusive bubble a lot of the time and as such if a fifteen year old has been indoctrinated in any other direction you would hope there'd be some hope of um, what's the word I'm looking for a recovery of regain you know bringing them back into a, a sense to have a sensible view of the world. I just think that it's very easy for people to condemn and write off an absolute. And on the flip side, you've then got a lot of people, oddly enough, the racists, saying exactly the same thing about people like Shemima Begum. You know, they go, oh, she, she had a chance, she chose, she was 15 years old. The government of this country has managed to forgive all those involved in the troubles in Ireland in the IRA in the Unionist paramilitaries who committed some quite horrific crimes. But that has been, they've managed to move on from there as part of the peace process. Yet, a girl who was 15 years old when she made a bad decision is still denied the ability to come back into the UK. It's, it's like two sides of the same coin. It's the extremism on, the sort of the racist extremism at either end of the scale doesn't make sense to me. I I just can't get my head around any extremism. And so some of my poems I, I have tried writing. So most of them haven't been put out, of them, but I have tried writing and sort of trying to look at the cause, you know, what causes people to think like that. Why and having been brought up around racism when I was young, I kind of got an inside picture on some of it, unfortunately.
0: Over lockdown itself and like all nights are uh, pretty well survived now. They've all gone on to, to Zoom mostly. How has your experience been on Zoom for you and Clive? Riggle really Beehive. Because I've been to two of them to watch. And, and you're know telling me before, your crowd has gone straight up on it.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, the, the experience of Beehive Hive on Zoom has been absolutely spectacular. And I must point the credit in the direction of Clive Osman for this because he has been an absolute trooper. I'm not, I don't enjoy performing on Zoom a huge amount purely because it takes me back to when I first started writing poetry and when I first started doing poetry slams, sitting in front of my webcam, just repeating the poetry again and again to myself to practice and get it right and watch the video and then do it again and get it right. And that really put me off performing to my computer in my kitchen. So I'm not a massive fan of performing online. I miss the buzz of the audience, that feeling. I I can tell when when I'm in a room with an audience, how a poem is going. And almost be thinking, right, this one's going down really well, which probably means my next poem might not. So let's see how that goes. And then you can almost play with the set as you go along and think, right, no, they didn't like that one, so I'll drop that one out. And I find there's not that same feedback with the audience. Um, there is using you know people are very great in the chat, but there's just a buzz in a live performance that I really feel that I miss on online. But Ubi Hive online is something that just blows my mind every time. The the our audience has expanded. We've gone from being a, an open mic night with maybe 20 or 30 people coming along in a sleepy little southwest town to having performers coming from America, Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Europe, literally worldwide. And poets that we would never, ever have been able to see perform at Ubi Hive without the most massive stroke of luck. You know, they'd need to come to visit Swindon and just happen to hear there was a poetry open. Oh, I'll take that in. It wasn't gonna happen. But we've met poets like, Kathy Carson, who is pound for pound, I think, the most exciting poet to come out of lockdown for me. Um, I've yet to see her perform a poem that hasn't left me moved to my very core. Um, then you've got Special K from America, so powerful, so exciting to watch. Um, and they, these are the poets I would never have heard of even without the pandemic. So it's been a horrific experience for everyone but there have been a few small good things to come out of it. And I think the way poetry in general has expanded on Zoom and from a personal point of view the way Ubi Hive has gone from a small slip as I said a small local open mic event to one that people in other countries look forward to attending each month has been mind-blowing. Um, and yeah. the quality I really can't stress this. I mean, Clive and I are almost embarrassed sometimes doing our poetry because it's, it's just out of place amongst the quality of the poetry on the open mic, let alone some of the headliners we've had.
0: Yeah, of course. Now you do, it's, I found that myself because the night after how so we run speakeasies, we've tried to keep it more local, but we've had quite a bit coming from all over the country ourselves and some of beyond that. And it's, it's brilliant because it's, lets you get a different feel for people, doesn't it? Different sort of people's writing. And it's, it's kind of old, but I think in some ways it's opened the world up. Possibly it's going to bring us all closer together as a poetry community. around the world now, I reckon, the way it's going.
1: Very much so. But well, Clive has already got his first international book in. He oh, I saw that. Nashville. I saw that. Yeah, he's going to Nashville next year. I thought, fantastic. Going to, going to, appear, going to perform po- poetry in Nashville next year and possibly <sighs> taking a couple of other towns while he's there that have got open mic nights. So... Yeah, it's, it's done exactly that. It has opened the world up much, much more. Now, there are some international poetry events around the world, but they tend to be quite hard to get to for your average show. Whereas Zoom now, something I think is going to happen is that Zoom is going to stay in people's lives, even after lockdown's gone. Once live events yeah. are back, I know Ubi Hive, Uh, At UbiHive, we are looking to either combine our live events with our Zoom event through some dexterous dexterous use of uh, technology and cabling and speakers. If that doesn't work, we will still be running an UbiHive online alongside as a companion event to the to to our ubihive live event and we are planning to continue now running the ubihive uk online slam championship so that any people anywhere in the uk can actually perform without having to travel to london or birmingham because slams don't You know, slams don't pay expenses. You don't get paid the expenses or overnight stays if you go to take part in a slam. It's you going to perform. Yeah. So it makes it very difficult. I know of performers that have had to drop out of the hammer and tongue UK slam championships because they just couldn't afford to get there.
0: Um, And be be before that now as well, yeah. It's expensive. It adds up a lot of the time. (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, think a uh, one night, two or two night stay in London over a weekend, train travel down there. You're not getting much change out of four hundred pounds.
0: No, won't we? Won't we? Yeah, like I said, I've done it before now. We went. Amanda won us concert tickets year for last to go down to see Snow Patrol actually at the London M V N or London whatever you call yeah. it, right? And I remember it because she had the the prize itself got tonight at the. Cal- Caledonian Hotel around the corner from it, and it was that that was had been two hundred pound a night, and then so then the, the, you work out yourself what you all have to be It's just money. It's a lot of money.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, a couple of years back, I was invited to take part, and because my family lived in London, it was nice and easy. I went down, stayed with my sister, parked the car up, and um, I was the wife drove me up, dropped me off at the Albert Hall, saved a fortune that way, but. If I'd needed to find somewhere to stay overnight or something like that, I couldn't afford to have done that that weekend. Yeah. Um, With with Zoom, if you've got an internet connection that's relatively reliable, we just, you know, we we, we want people to be able to take part if they're on the Isle of Man, if they're in Northern Ireland, if they're anywhere within the UK. And yes, I know technically the Isle of Man is Mm -hmm. not quite the UK but as it's in the geographical area, we made the decision to, that we will would, we would count the Isle of Man as part of the UK for the slam. But, um, you know, it, it, it just, it, again, it opens up the slam scene to people that, as I said, might not be able to, uh, might not have been able to get, get around. So, you know, to make it a genuinely inclusive slam that covers everyone, you know, anyone in the UK can enter.
0: Yeah. Now you're telling me before, obviously, Nick, about possible these more possible future plans about for obviously old behind. Tell us about that. What you're looking at doing? I think this is quite interesting. It's worth repeating. this, what you told me before, off Mike.
1: We've been looking at the technical uh, 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 the technical difficulties involved in using a large screen inside the pub um, on which the audio the Zoom audience would appear. A laptop to obviously for for, for uh, to, to control Zoom, a webcam to allow the Zoom audience to see any live performances for the poets, from the poets, and an audio feed from the uh, and a speaker feed from the laptop so that for interaction with the Zoom audience, um that, that will that will come via the via, via the amplifier. And then the webcam and we'll, uh, the webcam and the speaker and, and the microphone will allow them to obviously hear and see the live performers. And then any Zoom performers will appear on the big screen, spotlighted, and the audio will be channeled out the uh, channeled out a second speaker um, that will be dedicated for the Zoom audience, so that when they're applauding, that can be heard, and uh, when a Zoom performer is performing um they'll, they'll, they'll be appearing effectively in the pub that's the hope
0: yeah i like well uh, everyone wonders on that word hope, hope yeah. uh, to quote morgan freeman in the short <laughs> redemption hope is a good thing <laughs> 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 that's all i'm
1: gonna say to out. to quote the great sir terry pratchett there's something about the word reckon that is a little worrying to the ear. <laughs> you, you kind of want something a little bit more precise than, I reckon it'll work. Yeah. Or, I reckon definite. it'll work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely, Definitely, mate. So now, obviously, is, can you reveal anything about possible future guests yet, OB oh, Hive? What guests you got coming up?
1: Um, you're gonna to have to bear with me for one second because i've got a memory like a sieve and i can just about remember <laughs> my own name but i can in just one moment as soon as i can find clive's feet but uh, we are hoping to have some big names appearing we uh, names we've had some of the large names we've had over the past couple of months we started the year with elvis McGonagall, who was absolutely incredible. Um, he simply blew 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 everyone away and the year got off to a huge bang. Now, bear with me one second. Yep, yeah, our next Ubihive which is on 16th of July, is going to be headlined by Gemma Hathaway, who is the Bristol Hammer and Tongue champion and came second in the UbiHive UK Online Slam Championship last year. So we're looking forward to that. Um, We are still considering our next headliners for the rest of the year, purely because we have so many names that we... It's not that we're struggling to find headliners, it's that we're trying to, struggling to decide which headliner to put on in which order. It's, uh, we've been, we've, we have been absolutely blessed with the talent that we've found over the past year and a half on Zoom. And um, I've, at the moment, things are a little up in the air as, as to when we're going to go back live. Um, but ho- we're hoping to have Chloe Jacquet headlining in the next couple of months. Uh, just
0: I've just done a session with Chloe fairly recently, and that'll be going up. But it got up a couple of weeks for this one actually. Yeah. And she was she was fantastic. That was Clive. Clive Clive recommended her to me straight away. He did.
1: Chloe is one of my favourite people in the poetry.
0: Lovely world. lady, truly lovely lady. Yeah, she's,
1: she's an amazing poet. Um, we used to co-host the Gloucester Gorilla Slam together. And I absolutely look forward to co- co-hosting with Chloe because it, there's just a buzz and a spark there that really, really put the both of us on the top of our game. Uh, as, as I used to say, I, I used to rep- she used to represent the glitz and glamour of poetry and I was there for the nitty gritty realism. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, and uh As I said, she is such an accomplished poet, anyone who's not seen the video of her her poem, The Dealer, please look it up. It's on YouTube, Chloe Jacquet, The Dealer. It is an absolutely fantastic poem and an absolutely fantastic film representation of it.
0: You did a version of that on my session as well. Absolutely incredible. Incredible. Right, Nick. Okay, Uh, what will they do? That's probably good time to conclude now. So a couple of quick questions to finish off with, mate. If people want to find out more about you, where are the best going?
1: Uh, best Best place to find me is on Facebook. I'm still a bit old school. I do have a Twitter that I probably tweet maybe once a month. So not an ideal place to follow me. Facebook, I post several times a day.
0: Brilliant. And if people want to find out more about, more about old Beehive, where are the best going? Uh,
1: again, um, the Beehive Facebook page tends to be our primary point of <laughs> reference. Clive and I are setting up an Instagram as well to accompany that because that seems to be where a lot of a lot of people are finding their information nowadays. Um, so that'd be www.facebook.com forward slash Beehive. will take you straight there three o's and a h
0: brilliant okay well that's all my questions this part so oh my god have you got so much doing then, that we,
1: we, we do also have a youtube channel so if you Ooh. search for for us on youtube um again ubi hive oh beehive um that will take you to us we try and put up uh various headline sets on there um the finalists from any of our slams that we've had and again any any of our any performances we see that just leave us blown away um I tend to throw them up there
0: brilliant okay nick that me that's perfect perfect way to finish off me that right we'll let you go and get a few points ready for us mate and okay. hang around i love nick's work he's, he's a the guy is a gentleman cracks me up i would say i wouldn't say almost as much as clive he does crack me up as much as clive osmond does in a completely different way Perfect. <laughs> oh, Right. See you all in a minute, guys. Thanks again, Nick.
1: Hi
0: guys. Okie dokie. Still here with Nick. Straight over to you, mate. Go for it. You've got three poems for us and the cover.
1: Yes. My first poem, i probably as a good way to introduce me as any as any. Um I used to work as a greyhound commentator, and despite my regular requests, they wouldn't let me do the commentaries in the form of little poems. So I came home one day and flipped it on its head and did a poem in the form of a Greyhound commentary. It's called The Race of His Life. And it goes like this Ladies and gentlemen, there's now one minute's betting remaining until the race of his life. The hare is running, the hare's approaching the traps, and snap, the hare is caught in a trap just like Elvis Presley. Now, back to the race. And they're off. It's bewildered Nick, making all the running as they head towards the first bend of many. This youngster is making ground against potty training, preschool, infancy and the introduction to the basics of capitalism through playground economics. A little bumping from masturbation, self-loathing and puberty as they go through the second bend. But it's bewildered Nick, still tight on the rails as they head on to the back straight, leading by a length from, from immaturity with insecurity, bad decisions, unemployment and an unsuitable girlfriend all gaining on him. Bewildered Nick still leading by some good head from a girl he met in a nightclub and the kicking from her boyfriend half an hour later, closely followed by sympathy, a series of dates, cohabitation and an unexpected wedding. As they go into the third bend, it's bewildered Nick losing ground now to two kids, a mortgage, depression, disaffection with his job and a nagging fear of failure. It's bewildered Nick still leading by a neck from redundancy with midlife crisis making a move and depression still in and out of the pack as they go into the fourth and final bend, middle age falling away to be passed by, you're an old bastard now, nostalgia, confusion and minor regrets also coming into the running as they race down the home straight towards the finish. It's bewildered Nick from grandchildren with not enough exercise, too many fags and both your parents die from cancer, you stupid bastard. As they hurtle towards the line, retirement boredom and longing for release, now fighting for position with mild incontinence and unusual smells. But bewildered Nick still clinging on to lead, with death close behind as they race the last couple of metres towards the line. It's bewildered Nick from death, bewildered Nick from death, and it's bewildered Nick and death neck and neck as they cross the line for a photo finish. A photo finish there between bewildered Nick and death. And we have the result of the photo finish. The winner is death, ladies and gentlemen. Death wins by one length. Death always wins by exactly one length. Thank you.
0: (laughs) I heard you do that one uh, last time I saw you read, actually. I can't remember. It wasn't. I thought it was fantastic. I'm glad you started (laughs) off with that one, mate. It's a great start, that one.
1: That one's one's always good fun. Um, When I wrote it, it was one of those ones you sit there and you think, it's either going to work or it's not. And touch wood, it has so far. Um, my second one is a bit more serious. I, um, when I left school, I went straight into the army and served in there for a while. And that affected, it affected me a lot more deeply than I actually realized at the time, like so many soldiers. Um, but I came out with the army with a really interesting military history. Um, not just in sort of the jingoistic side of it, but into what the actuality of it was, etc. And the sad fact is, a lot of the battles that we celebrate as victories for the British Army, they weren't. We got our backsides kicked. Um, and I, this next poem was written after reading the book A Bridge Too Far about the attacks on Arnhem, which um, several regiments carry as their battle honours but where we lost. And I read a paragraph in a book and it just sat in the back of my head for about three months. And then just said, tell me, t- tell my story. And it fell out onto the page. And yeah, this is called Market Garden. I don't think I'm going to make it. Would you stay and hold my hand? It wasn't meant to end this way. i had always planned to live to be a hundred raise a family, build a home. Now, those dreams like me lie ruined and I don't want to die alone. The lads and me were also keen to come and do our bit, thought we'd all return as heroes like anyone would give a shit. But one by one, they've been gunned down, none spared till now but me. Their blood and guts stung in fields from hell to eternity. Are you still there, mate? It's awfully dark. I thought it was only noon. I'm sorry to have kept you here, but I'll be going soon. These guilty bullets burn inside like a thousand angry bees. I can hardly feel your hand now, mate. Stay a little longer. Please. It would have been my birthday next week. I'd have had a score of years and life beneath my belt. But then this fucking war took hold of us. It twisted things. It brought me here to die. It taught me how to follow fools and never question why. Thanks, mate, for your company, for staying by my side. I never thought I'd be this scared. I guess needs must conquer pride. Tell them it happened instantly. Don't tell them about the blood, nor my gasping breath through gritted teeth, nor my shit mixed in the mud. Don't tell them about my mangled leg, nor the terror in my eyes. Don't tell the truth of how I died. Just pass on my goodbyes. Thousands died in iron and blazing pit of 20 hells, where the devil danced the endless beat of a million artillery shells, where I held a dying young man's hand till his final rattled gasp. Felt his hand clutch mine that one last time. Felt him shudder as he passed. Felt the anger, raging sickness, terror part my tattered mind. Felt the helplessness and terror at the touch of graveyard lime and new is you full face now still would live with me for all my time and that's that one
0: wow that's good this just shows you everything I think good writing nick you can you, can you can that felt like two two, two completely different writers then
1: yeah that, um, and in so, a good way in a good way yeah it, it's it's sort of two, two extremes a bit a bit of humor and uh Let's see if we can jerk a tear out there somewhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You did with me there, mate, completely.
1: Fantastic. (laughs) Um, My next poem is, uh, well, it's not my poem. It's actually one by Adrian Mitchell, who was an absolutely amazing performance poet, a great anti-war campaigner, a real humanitarian. He was most famous for a poem he wrote about Vietnam called To Whom It May Concern which he performed at the uh, Ginsberg Festival of Poetry at the Albert Hall in 1968, I think it was, uh, and which has gone on to become a real anti, anti-war anti uh, standard. Um, for those of you who have not heard that one, it's the one that starts off, uh, the one that um, asks, you know, tell me lies about Vietnam. I don't know if you've heard it, but it's well worth looking up. Uh, This is another of his his poems and I was absolutely entranced just by the title of the poem, which is Take Stalk Between Teeth, Pull Stalk From Blossom, Throw Blossom, Overarm Towards Enemy, Lie Flat, Await Explosion. What a great title. And that goes like this. I staggered in the garage and handed them my heart Can you overhaul it because the bloody thing won't start? They hammered it and sprayed it till it looked just like a toad. Told me that it shouldn't be allowed upon the road. They said that I should change it for a psychedelic dream. They asked, what do you call this Aboriginal machine? I said, it's a rose, I suppose. A unicorn is bathing in the shallows of your eyes. You've got a mouth that's whispering between your thighs. You bring me foreign honeycomb and science fiction ties and Every time you touch me, you declare your surprise. Our language is a code that I haven't yet cracked, so I cannot be sure of your message for a fact, but it's a rose, I suppose. When they see us walking, they're puzzled what to say. We're so obvious in a mysterious way. Clouds that fly south when the wind blows east, hovercraft feet and faces all creased. We drew our wages in magical wine and What our business is, well, that's harder to define, but it's a rose, I suppose. Tennyson's on television selling bad breath. Linden's in the pulpit and the sermon is death. Hitler's in the the bunker playing nuclear chess. Judas got a column in the Sunday Express. Well, zombies are lurching all over this town. There's only one weapon seems to bring them all down. And it's a rose, I suppose. Thank you. And thank you to Adrian Mitchell, who all of his poems are incredible. Um, many of them are on YouTube. He's well worth looking up and listening to. He was uh, one of the biggest, biggest regrets in my life is I didn't discover poetry until after he passed. So I never got to see him perform. But I did that. I, I saw him live, actually. Oh, that was a long, long time ago. Yes, very, jealous, 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 Well,
0: I was a very young man, you remember know, because I got, I got taught him at school. I had quite a progressive teacher at school. Back in Ooh. the 80s. Yeah, that's did, why.
1: Did you not hear, Um, Adrian Mitchell actually decreed that his poems must not be used in any educational format after visiting a school and sitting down and taking a test paper... Which included questions on his poetry, <laughs> where they asked, What did the poet mean when he said this? And he wrote down exactly what he meant when he wrote it and was marked wrong by the teacher. <laughs> and after that, he said, No, that's it. You're not to use my poems in schools or in education anymore. I forbid it. It is not to happen. You don't know what you're doing with my work. And <laughs> I remember. I did not. I did not know that story. That's fantastic. Yeah, he he, he was an absolute, um, He was an absolutely amazing poet, and a lot of his poems are based around school and around the um, the effects his, his his education had on him, and and what a negative, what what a negative experience it was for him. Uh, we, he, and you know he was passionate about education he was passionate about poetry being taught but he would not let his poems be taught in the current educational uh, in the current co- current educational uh, situation uh which brings us to the last poem of mine which um I'm never sure whether it's a poem a letter of complaint a piece of spoken word or a sad reflection on the advertising culture that we live in at the moment it's called the jinx effect and Some people who buy deodorant may recognize a certain product. Dear Sir slash Madam slash Miss slash Ms. I'm writing to complain about either the veracity of your advertising campaigns or the quality of your range of underarm deodorant products available in my area. Since your range of products was released over 25 years ago, I've purchased 17,526 cans of the various aromas you offer based upon your advertising campaigns indicating that I merely need to apply one small spray of any of the wide range of products to my body to precipitate a veritable storm of beautiful women filled with a desire as, re- as a result of sensing the aromatic bouquets that you have created and I have purchased. It is my sad duty to inform you that not one of the cans I've purchased over the two and a half decades has functioned as advertised and has not resulted in so much as a smile for any females at all, let alone the beautiful women depicted in your advertising campaigns. Not a bloody sausage. At first, I thought this lack of response from the opposite sex may have something to do with the amount applied. As a result, I've increased this amount to see if this has any effect. I I currently apply approximately one can per day per armpit. And so far, the only effects I've noticed have been a certain lightheadedness for about an hour or so after completing my toilet and a mildly painful rash. After several more lonely years, I also considered the application methods of remote locations shown in your adverts. And I have to report that having traveled to every beach currently reachable by car, rail, boat, plane, submarine, and helicopter in the inhabited world, not a single girl approached me unless you count the female lifeguard who interrupted my experiment on Bondi Beach who advised me that my interpretation of the ninja-like moves essayed by the male model whilst applying deodorant in one of your advertising commercials was disturbing people i'm also disappointed to note the large wooden ark i've built in my back garden is yet to attract so much as one short dark and ugly munter let alone streams of beautiful blonde goddesses coming for me two by two whilst it has gained me some attention being named noah on the front page of my local paper was not quite the result your adverts had led me to expect having noticed with interest your campaign intimating your products may be of assistance in locating Hitherto undiscovered tribes of Amazonian beauties with a propensity to remove their underclothes to signify their approval of my choice of sachet. I've spent what free time I've had over the last seven years, what with building a bloody ark and searching for that sodding beach, trekking across the world's last wildernesses. And as a result, I can advise you that despite attracting millions of biting insects, flies, spiders, scorpions, snakes, and one over amorous brown bear, your various products failed to attract one single woman or even any married ones. Therefore, it was with relief that I viewed the adverts announcing the release of your His and Hers range of fragrances. This advert clearly demonstrates that these two new additions to your range are suitable for use in the urban environment, and thus I purchased a case of the His variety and applied two cans before leaving the house. Once I was able to stand and leave the house, I set off through the town centre anticipating a wave of vehicular carnage, with swarms of female volleyball teams tearing themselves free from the apocalyptic wreckage of myriad team buses, all overwhelmed with desire for me. Sadly, the only vehicular mishap to occur as a result of my use of your product was due to the dizziness following my over application. In my disoriented state, I staggered into the road and was struck by a lorry. Undeterred, I applied my reserve can to my body whilst in the ambulance and now can happily report that at last, after 25 years, 17,526 cans of your product, thousands of miles of travel, hundreds of miles of trekking, countless insect, fly, spider, scorpion, and snake bites, one ARC, one bear mauling, and one life-threatening road traffic accident, there's finally been a result. One of the nurses on duty in the intensive care unit has asked me for a date once my legs have healed and I can walk again. His name is Derek. Thank you very bloody much indeed. Thank you.
0: Excellent, ah. Nick. Tremendous, mate. So, so that's all I've got a, to say, mate. I
1: sort of <laughs> a range of what I do and what I like.
0: Best way to be that, mate. When you do your sort of things, a good selection, and that's been tremendous, mate. So it's been a great session, Nick. I've really enjoyed this, mate. As all well. I knew I would, mate. Straight away, mate. So thank you it's very good. much, mate.
1: It's been an absolute pleasure, and I can't wait until the world opens up again and I can get up to actually meet in person.
0: Yeah, if you if you and Clive want to come this way, mate, love to meet you, mate. No problem with that. I'd even have a drink, a glass of beer with you, and I don't drink the whole days, like I said, mate. You probably need a glass of beer after you met me, mate.
1: <laughs> oh, you'll need one after you met me, definitely. <laughs> I, Clive, the thing with Zoom is it just doesn't do him justice. It really I
0: can either. believe you mate I can believe you in that one alright mate, mate we'll have to conclude here anyway so look at yep. the time clap on this one and i get it saved properly hang around mate I do need to speak to you off mic anyway yes but tremendous stuff tonight. really enjoyed this mate so until next time guys as Don Callis says of it in Pat Wrestling stay safe and stay over spoken mate